0: long distance without glasses, so I'm not just randomly wearing these glasses. Genuinely, (laughs) I wear them for driving, and I can't see. So, ah, can you guys actually see that? Oh, yes, you can. It's not that bad, see? uh, (laughs) So, um, yeah, bear with me. Um, Sharon's done a fabulous job helping me trying to amend some of the stuff so you guys can actually see um, some of the slides. So, um, before we get into it, let's in prayer um, Father, Lord, I thank you for your grace, I thank you for your mercy. Um, I thank you because our faith comes from you. I thank you because faith is a gift um, that is given only by you, Lord, and I pray um, that even as I speak today, Lord, would you speak through me, Lord, would you speak um, to your people, Lord, would you strengthen us, would you quicken us, Lord, in our steps, in our faith, that we would continue to walk with you, that we would believe? Even when we face difficulty, even when we have trouble believing, Lord, would you help our unbelief? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I have a question for you guys. Um, You can keep it to yourselves, you don't have to answer it out loud as such. My question is how strong is your faith? If I ask you that question on a scale of one to ten, how strong is your faith? And there's probably different answers going around in some of your minds. And at this point, I would ask you to turn to your neighbour and say, Ain't no way, bro. Ain't no way, bro. Ain't no way, bro. (laughs) So, some of you might get me, some of you might not get me. But, obviously... (laughs) Um, so, So... so I say ain't no bro, because, there, like I say, there are probably loads of different, a raft of different answers that are going on in our minds as we think about that question. And for some of you, um, and, and God bless you if that's true, but for some of you, that's, that was a perfect opportunity to boast to perhaps talk about how much of a woman or man of faith you are. It was the time for you to literally tell us how you stopped the rain um, that time that you, you were praying, or it's the time for you to tell us how you were sat on the M11 and you literally stretched your hands out and moved the cars out of the way to make sure that there was no traffic. Now, for some of you, that, that's actually perhaps your, your testimony or something similar to that. And although for others of you, that was probably a moment where it was sort of squeaky bum time. It was a moment where you quietly probably reclined in your seat and you nervously looked around to see if anyone was going to try and perform a miracle at that very moment. And your inner Thomas was sort of coming out to shine and um, the sceptic in you sort of fighting to keep its composure. And perhaps for some of you genuinely, that's, that's, that, that was the feeling you had when asked the question about how strong is your faith. And then there is this other set of us. There is where we're somewhere in between, somewhere in the middle somewhere where actually we we think we're there we, we are, we're sure we have faith but but actually there's there's this element of, of doubt there's this element of difficulty that sometimes we we face in our faith and we, we, we feel that we lack perhaps some sense of consistency and so I want to focus on that I want to focus on someone who was in that group um and we see that particularly from Mark chapter 9 um so, before I read a little bit of context, um, so Jesus has just had the transfiguration at this point, um, and he's come down, and the disciples are there's been a crowd that's sort of gathered around, as they know sort of Jesus is coming, and there is this chap, this boy, um, who's demon possessed, and his dad um, is sort of there and has already been sort of consulting, discussing with the disciples about what they could do to cast out this demon out of this boy. And this kid is, he's oppressed by um, both a mental and physical ailment. Um, and this, and this demon is sort of, I guess, um, exacerbating that um, in him. And so let's read. Um, and when they came to, this, to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. All of a sudden, when the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. Then he asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Out of the crowd, one man answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, you unbelieving generation. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they, brought, so they brought him to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. How long, and how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Ah, I think we're missing a bit. Right, I'm going to go from my notes. Uh, Where am I? Twenty-two. Yeah. So, uh, but if you can do, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Then Jesus said to him, "If you can, everything is possible to the one who believes." Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, "I do believe." Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter and never enter him again. Then it came out, um, shrieking and convulsing him violently. The boy became like a corpse, so that many said he's dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and he stood up. After he went into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He told them, this kind come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And now we have a different account of this from Matthew. So Matthew, we have a, a different account. And I want to read that as well, because it, it, Matthew kind of gives it a slightly different spin in terms of the story. Um, probably a bit less detailed, detailed but, but a, different, a different spin nonetheless. So Matthew 17... Uh, 14 to 20 and then that says when they came to the crowd a man approached Jesus and knelt before him Lord have mercy on my son he said he has seizures and is suffering greatly he often falls into the fire or into the water I brought him to your disciples but they could not heal him you unbelieving and perverse generation Jesus replied how long shall I stay with you How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. God bless his word. Um, So I want to touch on something that comes out of Mark's account. Mark's account talks about this phrase and, and the key phrase there that we have is from the father, the father of the boy who says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so I wanted to look at the phrase unbelief. What is the phrase unbelief? Can I have the next slide, please? So, the word unbelief in the Greek is made up of two different words. Um, and that's apithia and apistia. And those two words are basically translated as disobedience and distrust. So, the idea that, that, um, that of, of unbelief actually comes from a combination of disobedience and distrust. And it's especially the case when we talk about um, God's promises to us that there is distrust that ultimately leads to disobedience. You don't trust that God is actually meant that. You 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 don't trust that God actually meant for a man to be with one woman, and so there's distrust, and so there's disobedience. You don't trust that actually God really means it when he tells you don't steal. I will provide for you, I'm able to provide, the birds ask for things, and so how much more will I provide for you? But then you don't quite trust that he's able to provide for you, and so actually you do need to steal. You do need to dip in and actually get something, and then there's your disobedience. And we see that trend go on and on and on in life decisions that we are constantly making, we are constantly... Distrusting, not trusting God's promises for us, that God says, do this because this is good for you, do this because they will be good at the end. We don't quite trust that that's genuinely true, and so we disobey. Um, and now when looking at the, the story of, the, of this demon possessed boy, it's important to also remember that the disciples had been spending quite a bit of time trying to resolve the issue. Um, and as I say, Jesus had just come down from uh, the transfiguration, this guy's suffering from demonic oppression. Um, and the disciples had obviously tried to cast that demon, once successful. Um, and Jesus then complains. He complains of them being an unbelieving generation. So there's a whole lot of them. All of you, you don't believe. None of you actually actually believe. What? And, and actually, one could argue, Imagine imagine being there as a disciple. You spent like maybe hours the whole day or like whatever it was. Trying to cast out this the demon out of this boy, like you thought. Oh, man, I put in all my effort. I was believing. I was trying to believe. I was trying to be really strong. And Jesus comes and goes. You don't believe. You don't believe. You ain't done jack. And you sat there "Bro, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's that's a bit harsh." And and for some of you, it, it perhaps it's a similar feeling you might have at work, for example. Sometimes it might be at work. You might have spent. It's it's the feeling that you get having spent hours on a project, having spent hours on doing something, and someone comes and says, yeah, let's actually just delete that. Let's just get get rid of that. Let's, let's scrap that, actually. Or it's the same feeling that you might have when you've done an essay. Um, you spent all night, you've done an all-nighter because you know your essay was due the next day, and you should have really worked on it ages before, but here we are. Um, and, and you're working, you're doing an all-nighter, you're nearly finished, and you didn't click save. And it's gone. And it's gone. It's, it's work that is just, becomes useless um, to a degree because, because, it, because, it, um, yeah, because it's no longer in existence. And that feeling is probably the similar kind of feeling that the disciples might have had there and then. I've, worked, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. And you're coming along and you're telling me it was all for nothing. It was all, it was, it was all nonsense. Um, and he goes, and, and obviously Matthew's account, Matthew's account of the story goes even further. It goes further because it then uses the phrase that you unbelieving and perverse generation. It, it, it says, it says not, you, you, you didn't just not believe, you didn't just not believe God. You you were disobedient, you are rebellious, you're a rebellious generation, and you could, and one could, you know, you could probably be forgiven for thinking that's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. I'm, I'm literally like, we've tried. I genuinely, we tried to believe. We tried to trust you. And it's difficult. It's difficult to trust. It's difficult to do this. Why am I suddenly being made out to be the, the bad guy? Why are we, as a generation, suddenly being made out to be the bad guys, people who hate you? We don't hate you. We're not a perverse generation. We're good people. These are similar phrases that we probably have Probably some of you have probably had some of those kind of responses when you've um, been evangelising or spoken about God, and people have gone, "Well, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually an all right person. Um, I, as long as I do right by everybody, absolutely fine. I'm perfectly fine. There's no issue whatsoever." And actually, we see in the way Jesus, or, or, or by Jesus' standard, by God's standard, it's actually the fact that you didn't believe. You didn't believe me. You didn't believe him, and that is what made us perverse. That is what automatically makes us distrust him and be, be an unbelieving generation. And when, he makes, when, when Jesus makes this point that um, there's unbelief that's caused a lack of faith, he, t- he, t- he says later on that they've got such little faith, and he says they've got actively little faith that they actively disobeyed God. They've act- they are actively in rebellion against him. And so when we talk about unbelief, we need to understand what unbelief is. Unbelief is so powerful that it can stop God's work in your life. Unbelief is so powerful that it will keep you at a distance from God. It will keep you away from God. Unbelief is so powerful that it will have you spending the rest of your life stuck in a rut and never able to cross over to experience any supernatural power of God never able to actually experience freedom so when Galatians talks about the fact that we're no longer slaves to sin and we we, we get to be free you never experience that if you don't believe if you don't truly believe, if you don't consistently believe, if you don't continue to believe until the end that's not your testimony you won't be able to sit there and say I'm free, genuinely free and so that's a problem that's unbelief, unbelief is an issue in and of itself and then you have faith. Then you have this idea that, but there was faith. I mean, Father said, "I, I do have faith." Um, and for a lot of us, we'd say, "Yeah, I have faith." And for some of us, actually, faith is not is is not our link with God. It's not it's not what we a way in which we commune with God. But actually, we use faith as a tool. It's just a means to an end. And actually, the Bible describes that, or some, some, in some ways, the Bible talks about this kind of um, an idea of a demon-like faith. And so, I think I'll take that from James. So James chapter two says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and one says to them go in peace keep warm and eat well but you don't give them you go and give them what the body needs what good is it in the same way faith if it doesn't have works is dead by itself but someone will say you have faith and I have works show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Well done, basically. The demons also believe. And the demons shudder. And that's what I would probably phrase as a demon-like faith. A faith to the degree that the demon has. And so when some of us say, well, well," you know, when you speak to some people, you talk about God and, and they'll say, well, yeah, I, I believe. I believe in God. And we have to keep in mind, the demons also believe in God. They are scared. <laughs> they are shook. They shudder at the idea of God. There is even an element of reverence, if you like, that they have for God. And so actually, the standard is not just, I believe in God. It's not just the standard of, well, he's kind of there, I kind of... Acknowledge his existence being there because as I say demons do that as well and if our faith is limited to that if our faith only stops there if our faith only goes so far we have to question whether or not actually we have just a demon like faith if you like a faith that doesn't go further and say actually I don't just believe that God exists I trust and I believe God for my life, for my existence, for my very being. Um, I actually need God. I rely on him and I don't rely on myself. Right? That's super important. And then you also have Ephesians. So Ephesians 2.8. And that says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. I'm so grateful to God that no one gets to boast about faith. I'm so grateful to God that no one gets to boast about the fact that we conjured up faith. You don't get to say, you know, I can, I can summon this level of faith. If you have this level of faith, there's about 2,000 pounds waiting for you somewhere. You know, we, we, don't, we don't get to muster faith in that kind of way. And we don't get to use or abuse faith in that kind of way. Um, but actually faith is a gift. And so if faith is a gift, we get to ask God for more. We, we can ask, we can literally ask God, God give me more of this faith. And because, because it's a gift, because God you are giving me the gift of faith, I, I don't just rely on myself. I can't just rely on myself to try and have faith. I actually have to rely on God for faith. I have, to, I have to literally rely on God to give me faith, to be able to have faith. And actually, it's a bit of a misconception um, in some circles um, in, in the faith that actually, you know, faith, faith, the faith is some kind of power. It's like a we treat it, some people tr- treat it like a magical sort of power that you conjure up, that you, that you work, you can manipulate and you can deal with it in, in, in any kind of way. And that's not what it is. Faith is a gift. And we have to see it, and so when we see it as a gift, we have this freedom. That there is then this freedom in where we are able to ask God for faith. We are able to trust God for faith, and actually we are able to be a bit more objective about our faith. We're able to be objective and say, "This, this is not from me. This is not from my strength. Because left for me, I wouldn't do it so well. You know, left for me, I, I don't do it so well. Um, and so, and and this is, and so we are in. Very many ways we are similar to the father of this boy. We are similar because we, we sit there, and say we're, we're faithful people. We're people of faith, um, but actually we're the kind of faith that says, sometimes God, if you can do it, would you would you please would you please if, if you can do it, if it's not too much trouble for you, um, I'd, I'd I'd be really grateful. God, please could you could you do that? And and that's the kind of faith. That this, guy, this guy kind of had. It was a faith that said, oh, I reckon you can do it, but, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you really, if, you, if you're built like that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if you, if you really got it like that. And that's, that's kind of the thought process that was going on. And when Jesus then questioned him and said, if, you're asking me if, and, and, and so so honestly and so candidly, the, um, the father says, yeah, I, I, I believe you. I do genuinely. I'm trying to believe you, but there's there's a little bit of me that goes, I just don't know. I just don't know. And can you help me, God, to take that away from me? Take take that that element of doubt, that element that says, actually, I I don't know if I can go all the way with this. I don't know if I can really completely let myself loose and actually, you know, open my hands out wide, sort of as if I'm at the end of the Titanic and just. Go and trust that you're holding me, in the way Leonardo DiCaprio was um, was holding um. What's the actor's name? Kate, Kate Winslet. Oh, I'm terrible with actors, so yeah, don't don't judge me. Um, <laughs> but but that's that's the kind of faith we want to get to. We want to get to that kind of stage where we're able to open our arms and actually trust God entirely um, to hold us in that way. And and then you also have um, Galatians three. And so Galatians 3, chapter 3, says, um, chapter three, verse 3 to 8 says this, Are you so foolish, beginning with, the, beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made by the flesh? Did you suffer so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing, so then does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by the hearing by faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. We get to have faith. We get to have the faith of Abraham even. Um, That's accredited to us um, to be able to trust God, um, to be able to have faith in him, and to be able to know that it's not just by works. It's not just by works, but actually by genuine faith, faith in Jesus, um, that one, we are made whole, and two, actually we get to live tangibly free. From sin, we, we get to have the genuine benefits of freedom in Christ and that's the benefit that this father had at that time. He got to enjoy a benefit, a, heal, a healing came about. Jesus was able to cast out this demon out of his son. That was a tangible benefit that came from believing, from genuine faith. But he in himself had to realize that faith couldn't come from him. It didn't come from him. It comes from God. He acknowledged it come, comes from Jesus. And so he asked Jesus for more. So he asked Jesus, please help me. Help me out in my unbelief. And actually, perhaps a really good version, is there's the um, contemporary English version. And, uh, and I looked at that in terms of um, Mark 9, 4. Uh, Mark, Mark nine twenty four, and that says that the phrase it uses is um, "at once." The boy shouted, "I do have faith. Please help me have even more." That's that. That's the version from the contemporary um, English version of, of Mark nine twenty four. It says, "I do have faith. Please help me have even more." And so again, uh, it, it's um, the contemporary version is. Um, helpful, and actually re- really, really helpful actually, but um, but but I like the way it phrases it, because that, that's actually the point of what was going on it was like, actually I do I do have this faith and obviously later on Jesus talks about just the faith of a mustard seed is all you need um, but this man says I, I, I need more, I need more because I want to get there with you, I want to I trust you, I want to completely entrust my life onto you Jesus and when I was preparing and thinking about this and thinking about believing and, and uh, thinking about the scripture and how sometimes I've struggled with that. I've, I've had difficulty where, where I go, I believe, I, I do believe. It makes sense in my head, God. There's, this, there's empirical evidence for you. I trust that. I, I see that. Um, and, so, and so I believe. But then there's this element. There's this fight constantly against the flesh that says, what is the point? Who cares? that element of unbelief, and I say, God, please help me. Help me to truly believe you. Help me to truly trust you, to continue to trust you, to be consistent in trusting you, and so that my decisions continue to reflect that I trust you. And so I live in that way, Lord. Help me. Because I can't do that on my own. Um, And every time I try to do that on my own, when I try to find, to summon my own strength to do it, I fail terribly. I fail miserably. And... As I was preparing, I was thinking about my experience. I recently went to Nigeria. Um, towards the end of August, I was, I was in Nigeria uh, with my siblings and uh, mum, and dad, and I remember we we, we were we were away um, away from got away from my parents. Um, we were we were lucky, and there was a there was a point in time where we we had this we had a driver who was driving us around. Nigeria is great, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, if you haven't go, hey, I recommend, highly recommend. Um, but 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 we went, we had a driver, and we the, some of the in when you when you're in the outskirts or in the suburbs area of Nigeria, the roads aren't always done very well. In fact, the roads are a madness, <laughs> um, and let alone the traffic is a madness in and of itself. But the the roads are, are a mess in more of the outskirts, and so we were driving in some of those areas. And I remember we basically got stuck in a hole um, in a kind of like massive hole, a bit of a ditch, and as we got stuck, like there was you know the local local boys, local young boys around, and they kind of like flooded and surrounded our car, like um, kind of banging on 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 the bonnet and going, "Oh you know okay, oh what are you going give what are you going to give?" kind of thing saying you know, basically saying, "What what are you going to give us like if you want us to help you out you know and my cousin, my cousin was speaking with them because if I had opened my mouth, I know the price was going up <laughs> straight. <laughs> the price was going up straight if I would opened my mouth. So my, my, cousin, my cousin was there and he, and he spoke to them and he was haggling with them, haggling with them, like bartering them about the price that we were going to pay, um, about how much, how much they wanted or whatever. for. And there was like loads of them, like about, about 10 of them or so, and he's haggling with them, haggling with them. And then after he comes to an agreement on a price... Um, and he's like, yeah, 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 we'll pay, we'll pay this or whatever, and then they're like, okay, give it to us now, give it to us now, and Mark, Mark was like no no, 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 we're not giving it to you <laughs> we're not giving it to you now, no. get, get us out first and we'll give it to you and he's like, no, 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 you're not going to pay, you're not going to pay no, no, we are going to pay, we are going to pay yeah, get, get us out, help us out now and it was this constant back and forth of unbelief <laughs> between the two <laughs> between, the, between both of us because we, we, be, we, uh, we didn't believe that they would get us out and they didn't believe that we would um, we would ultimately pay now they did help us out, um, thanks be to God, <laughs> and, they, and they helped us out, and we did, we did give, them, give them money that, that we agreed, and, and, we, and we carried on on our way. Um, but it made me think, imagine you were in that situation, and imagine you were in a minibus, and there was loads of you, loads of you inside, inside a, a, a minibus, and you get in a situation where you get stuck. And imagine that one of you happens to find out that, for those of you who are fans of Avengers, that Captain America is on your minibus. Imagine that you had Captain America sat in your minibus somewhere in the back, and one of you finds out and knows that you've got Steve Rogers, otherwise known as Captain America, sat there just chilling, just looking around, thinking, Phew, I hope someone helps us out. <laughs> um, and imagine that, that was situation. I'd imagine your strategy would probably change. You probably wouldn't spend the time that we spent haggling with a bunch of other guys about trying to help us move out, move the minibus out. Perhaps the strategy would probably be more likely to approach Steve and go, you going to do anything, brother? (laughs) You going to help us out? Um, And and I I imagine it would be more along the lines of actually trying to approach him, trying to ask him, look, can can you help us out? You've you've got the strength. You've you've got got the power. But there might be some of you. There might be some of you that, that go, To be honest, I only remember this version of Steve. I only remember this version of Captain America. And for those of you who don't know, obviously, before Captain America became Captain America, he was literally this skinny, small guy, had no real presence, didn't have the strength that he had. Um, And that might be the version that you heard of him. That might be the version that you remember of um, Captain America. And so there might be some of you that think, I don't even think he can actually lift us out. I, I don't actually think he'd be able to help help us. I don't think he'd be able to to move to move Arminibus and, and move us out of this situation, because from what I heard, I don't even think he was really in the wars with the Nazis. For those of you who are big fans, you know that he's it he, he, he spanned his, his life spanned was a long time, and he was actually supposed to be involved or it was involved in the war against the Nazis. And some of you might think, I don't even think you you were. Really that I think you hid. I think you hid in that in that wall and you didn't really do anything. You know, I've heard rumours, I've heard rumours that's you know, that's that's what happened. And and there's there might be some of you who might be fighting that element of doubt. And so when you ask Steve, there's an element to which you need help to get over that doubt, to really trust him, to really ask him to, to help you out. And I think that's a similar situation that some of us have with Jesus. When we're in a mess, when we're in a rut, when we're in a difficult situation, and we ought to, and we've we've done all the fighting ourselves, we've done everything we could, and actually we can't, we can't solve this issue, and so actually we should be approaching Jesus first. But then when we approach Jesus, we have the rumours in our head that actually maybe He didn't resurrect. Maybe, maybe I, I, I've heard, of, there's rumours, there's rumours, there's people who, t- who say, I, I'm not sure if Jesus resurrected, I'm not sure if I can really believe the Bible, I'm not sure if I can really believe who Jesus was, you know, was he just a drunk man just run, running around? I don't know if I can really trust that, I don't know if I, if, if I really trust, trust, trust the Bible, I, I don't know, I mean, and doesn't Jesus do stuff for himself? Like if God really loves us, wouldn't he he just make sure that we never even ended up in a hole in the first place? And there's that doubt and there's that fight that we can have sometimes. And so we have to acknowledge as we continue to live life, we have to acknowledge that our faith comes from God. And we have to feel free to ask God for more faith. We need to, in fact, beyond just feeling free, we need to actively ask God for more faith otherwise, otherwise we can't we, we, we can't maintain it by ourselves not in our own strength and so when we, get, when we doubt we can ask God for more faith, when we're wavering in our resolve we can ask God for more resolve, when we're unwilling to obey when we're go, you know, when we're wanting to disobey we can ask God make us more willing, make me more willing, make me want to submit to your will more and what's really important for us as believers is to remember this, that the unbeliever doesn't care about having more faith to, to trust Jesus. The unbeliever doesn't care. He's just an unbeliever. Just, just doesn't believe. He doesn't care that he needs more faith. He's not concerned. He's not bothered about the fact that there is a lack of faith in him. That's the unbeliever story. But for us, for we, the believer, actually... We have to be concerned. We we, we do. We need to be concerned about saying, God, help me to trust you more. Help me to believe you. Help me to believe you for my life. And, and actually, we see that no more than in Philippians. Philippians 2, where it says, So, dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, I'm reading from verse 12, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you to desire and to work out his good purpose. And so we remember, we, we live a life that says constantly, I need to check myself. I need to check where I am with my faith. And God, help me with my faith. And, and I, I, there is a fear. There is a sense of fear. There is a sense of trembling. There is a, a sense of, of being scared that, God, where am I? Do, am, I am I yours? Am I, am I still yours? Lord, help me. Help me where I'm not. Help me where I'm exhibiting things, traits that show that actually I'm not of you. Lord, help me. Redeem me. Help me. Save me. Help me to live a life more like you. Help me to walk with you more. Because left to my own strength, we would never make it. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That is a statement of faith and an admission that our faith is far from perfect. But it doesn't need to be because God's God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. And so our faith in him perfects us. And so, as a parting note, um, let me leave you guys with this. I would encourage you that this week, believe. Believe in this week. When you're reading your Bible next, um, ask God to help you believe. Believe the words that he says, to believe it truly. Ask God to cause you to lean on him so that you go into the work of believing so that you go into your kitchen your bathroom you're chilling in your lounge relaxing and you're believing so that you're dealing with difficult people you're believing so that when money's tight you're believing so that when things go wrong that you didn't expect to go wrong and it's kind of getting you really frustrated and you really want to lose your temper and you really want to sin against god believe keep believing let's pray Lord God, I'm so thankful for your grace. I'm so thankful for your mercy. I pray, Lord, that as we go into this week, Lord, would you give us strength? Would you help us, Lord, in the elements of our unbelief, in the elements of where we feel that things aren't going our way and we're struggling to see light at the end of the tunnel, we're struggling to see what you would do in that situation, we're struggling to see that there is any any end, um, any hope in that situation. Lord, I pray, would you help our unbelief? Would you help us to believe to trust you, to trust you implicitly, Lord, without reservation? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah.